believe that you can do it. A lot of people say, I can't do this. Stop all that talk. There are skills available out there that you can learn easily to replicate and set yourself on the path and just get on with it. And welcome back to the podcast. We are here with Norm Glenn, and he is a horsemanship trainer. And Norm specializes in helping horse owners develop skills to be able to control their horse in dangerous situations and create a respectful bond with their horse. His website is normglenn.com. That's Glenn with two N's. So normglenn.com. Norm, glad to be talking to you. Thank you. Pleased to be here. Pleased to have you here. So I know nothing about horse training, but that's okay because you're here and you're the expert. We gave a little bit of a taste about what you do, but if someone says, okay, that term horsemanship, and you say that you're a horsemanship expert, what does that mean and what is horsemanship? I guess the first thing is that when we, uh, when people have horses, what they'd like to be able to do is a whole stack of things with their horses. They'd like to take it out for a trail ride or just ride around the, in, the, on the, in the paddocks. Or they'd like to go to a competition or something like that. In understanding that, that's pretty obvious, but we need to have the horse fit into our life. We buy the horse so that we can do something with the horse. And so it's the ability to get the horse to cooperate with you in a safe and responsive manner. And safety is the number one priority, of course. But a lot of people get riding lessons, but they don't. I would say that without trying to be unkind or sound unkind they're passengers on their horse everything's good when the horse is doing the right thing the question is what do you do when the horse acts in a way that's dangerous or unsafe or makes you nervous and so the horsemanship skill is about learning how to control the horse in those situations and then have the horse cooperate with you so that you are safe and you can get the horse to perform in the way that you and you can have a good life together so that's probably it in a nutshell and tell me if I'm way off base here, but this kind of discussion about working together with your horse, it reminds me a little bit of these dog trainers where they say you might have a dog where like you don't communicate or uh, you, don't, you don't get along or there's just like conflict. But in a and there's like show dogs, of course, but it seems like a lot of times with the dog situation, if it doesn't work out, then it's fine. But with the horse situation, when you're riding on top, and as you said, if you don't want to be just a passenger, it seems like it's dog training on steroids. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so there's a lot of people would have heard of Caesar Milan, the dog whisperer um, or the dog controller, whatever you like to call him. But uh, it's exactly the same principle, except dogs. Dogs can be very dangerous too, but horses had an extra dimension to it where you can uh, be a dog will bite you, but it doesn't often kill you where a horse can kill you. Yeah, you, you hear about get, getting kicked in the head or like Christopher Reeve fell off and broke his neck and, and scary stuff like that. And so many things could go wrong with the horse, but that doesn't help anyone to think about all this worst case scenarios. So what's the, the practical, most common problem that horse owners are having these days? I think predominantly what it is that they don't know what to do when things go turn to crap. Horses buck rear or they don't want to move forward. They want to do what they want to do, not what the owner wants them to do. And so there's a lot of wishing and hoping and begging of the horse really to try and get it to cooperate. And people generally, and particularly on the ground as well, people don't have the skills to know how to quickly and convincingly and easily get the horse to turn around and start to focus on what they want and to get that horse back under control, working with them in a cooperative manner. Float loading is a big issue as well. That's one of my specialties as well. But, but, I, but it comes down to really 
most people don't know what to do when it turns to crap or it gets dangerous for them. And is there an easy solution to that? Or is it a matter of putting in the hours and the practice and the techniques? Like, uh, you, so you say if there's a unexpected problem and people maybe can't think on their feet, what's the answer? The answer is to get training, obviously, to get skills. And, and I guess once you've got those skills, you need to practice them or create drills that you have with your horse so that you rehearse what to do when things are calm and when things are going well. And don't leave it until it's in a desperate situation. So it's often talk to clients and tell them it's a bit like a soldier. They are drilled so that they can operate in spite of fear. So that we're not asking them not to get scared because that's you can't stop people or horses from getting scared. But what you can do is prepare so you've got automatic responses and you've got skills almost like muscle memory that'll just kick in at the time when you need it. And it should be a part of how you operate all the time with your horse. So having a good set of rules with your horse, but knowing how to apply the rules, just getting the horse to focus back on what you want to focus on rather than it trying to do what it wants to try and do. And once again, using these analogies to make sense of this, what comes to mind as you're explaining that is when I first learned to drive a car. And when I first learned to drive, I knew that I needed to put in so many hours and run so many like drills and try different, making the left turn, dealing with busy intersection, all these different scenarios. That way I would automatically get these rules in my head. So that way, if I saw like a, a weird driver, I would just, without even thinking, keep my distance. And then when I would learn to drive, my dad would reach over and yank the keys out of the ignition. Just so that <laughs> way the car would just like stop working and I'd have to put it in neutral and, and pull it over. So that's what comes to mind is that I didn't even think of this until I was a teenager and began driving that my conscious brain can only hang on to maybe four or five things at the same time, right? Like this traffic light or yeah. this noise, and there's 500 different stimuli coming along. So by doing the repetitions, then things become automatic. And then the reaction time is subconscious and fast enough. That way I can do what needs to be done without even thinking. So is that on the right track as far as like a similar mindset with the horse training? Well, it is, but the good news is you don't have to, you don't have to spend a long time in order to get some basic skills that can change things very quickly. So with what I teach, for example, within two hours, most people have got a set of skills, basic skills that can really improve the odds for them. They can improve their safety. And obviously from there, they can keep developing that into different aspects, but they can also, I suppose, perfect those skills by repetition. But within two, when you drive a car, you wouldn't say that you're in a situation where you could go and drive that car by yourself within two hours. It'd take many hours before you, you have that confidence. But with horses, with what I teach, I can teach people to get that confidence within two hours. And what's the secret? Is it just that no one else is like, like focused or has a clear plan? Like, why are you two hours and very few others are? I like to talk about precision. So having a very good focus on what to do and how to do. And there are some basic things that you can do to protect yourself and to stop horses doing things like rearing up, bucking, rushing into you, trying to run off, whether that be on the ground or under the saddle. So it's a system. And the more precise you are at affecting that system, the better it's going to be in terms of the horse, of the horse starting to co cooperate with you. But it's a simple system, but it has precision. And 
it's that precision that gets through to the horse very quickly. So long as the student, for want of a better word, so long as they're prepared to take in that information and have a good crack at it, they'll get through that within two hours. And my job, part of my job with a lot of people is to help give them the confidence to execute what I'm showing them in a way that keeps them safe, number one, but secondly, so that they can actually do it. And that's a very successful, it's very successful. And so speaking of actually doing it and getting these things done, what, is there like a, a breakdown of the different skills? Because you mentioned about like loading into a trailer and I imagine there's some amount of like steering or if there's like a, something scary, there's like maybe some aspect of that. So what are the buckets here as far as getting this horse training figured out? Float loading is something you don't learn within two hours, but general horse handling and general riding in terms of keeping yourself, you can learn within two hours. Float loading is a very different set of skills because you're asking the horse to go into a scary environment or a claustrophobic environment. And the sensitive smart horses don't want to do it. In fact, you could test that out with most horses by standing outside the float and asking them to walk on themselves. Even if a horse normally gets led on successfully, most horses won't want to walk on by themselves. But that's what I teach people to teach their horses or what I teach horses to do is to walk onto the float by themselves. But in order to do that, the horse is going to, I suppose, exhibit a lot of resistance to that initially if they don't want to go onto the float. And so you have to have a big bucket load of, or a big bucket list of tricks account of their tricks. So horses generally will have about 12 things that they could possibly do to avoid going into a float. You have to know what those 12 things are. You have to have an answer for those 12 things and you have to be able to execute those 12 things. Now, luckily a horse will usually only choose two or three times, two or three things at a time. And that's the extent of their list, but it's just a matter of which two or three of the 12 they choose. And so you don't know what you're going to get when you're first starting with them. You might think you do, but until you actually really start doing it, you won't know for sure but you have to be able to respond to those things very quickly and very precisely. So float loading is a little bit different to the rest of it, but it is very learnable. And I do have an online training course for people that can't physically get to me or where it's too far away for me to physically get to them. So they can learn what those skills are and what to do about it. And that's an interesting problem solving technique in general. And instead of just saying, I'm, I might come across anything, you say, well, Here's the list of the 12 things that they might try. And then I just need to identify which of the 12 they're doing and then know what to do in response. That's just good problem solving in general. And so you mentioned your website, normglenn.com, and you have all, all kinds of content there. And you mentioned about this thing called groundwork. So what is this thing called groundwork and why is it so important? Yeah, groundwork, I suppose on the ground with your horse, you are in a vulnerable position if the horse chooses not to really cooperate. And I like to use the word cooperate. If they're not cooperating with you, it gets dangerous. And so groundwork, number one, it can teach you how to lead the horse safely. Again, it teaches you, proper groundwork teaches you how to deal with the horse when the horse goes roguish on you on the ground. Um, but also what it does at a more advanced level is that you can train your horse in lots of riding aspects on the ground so 
to quote an example, I was with a horse a couple of days ago and, the, and I was doing a float training session, but the lady said to me about her horse is that she's had difficult, she hasn't ridden a horse for ages because it keeps bucking on her. And when I did some of the groundwork exercises that we do to actually prepare the horse for float loading, the horse exhibited these behaviors. And what I was able to identify straight away was that there's no way known I'd get on that horse either. I said to her, I wouldn't get on the horse either. He's not ready. So until we do these groundwork exercises, because it brings out those behaviors, and then you can correct those behaviors, get the horse working with you properly on the ground first, where you are much safer than you are up in the saddle, and you can school the horse very well. And that gives you much better chance of having a safer, calmer, more cooperative horse when you get into the saddle. So that's the big benefit of good groundwork. It also enables you to actually build the horse's muscles properly. Whereas a lot of people who don't know much about horses probably don't think about that aspect of it. But if the horse is not engaging and using its muscles properly, it can create a shape in its body that's not correct or conducive to good performance under saddle. And then you'll get lameness and all sorts of things. So there's a few different aspects as to why groundwork is so important. But also what it does for the horse and the handler is it sets up a bond or a respect and a relationship between the horse and the, the uh, horse handler or the owner. And I like to think about it in terms of there's respect, which is a word. Okay. But it's also about confidence and competence in the handler. And horses seek leadership. So you can become the leader your horse needs you to be You, when you're good at your groundwork. And then finally, when you get under the saddle, you can replicate some of those things. I like that a lot. So that, that answer there ties a lot together of what we're talking about as far as the cooperation with your horse and being aware of what your horse needs and is going through as far as like developing those muscles. And you're not just saying, what can the horse do for me? You're saying they have needs too. And then also as far in general, you might see a problem in front of you, right? The problem in this case is the horse is bucking, the horse is not cooperative, and I'm just going to try to make it work. But many times in life in general, you say, here's my problem. And what I'm missing are some of the prerequisites, right? Some of the before steps. And so that that's interesting to think about and to be aware of. And so we're getting a good idea here of your skills and your talent and what you can bring to someone who needs help with their horse training. And you mentioned things about your two-hour method, about the precision. But is there anything we left out as far as what differentiates you from other horsemanship trainers? I think so. I think the first thing is that I didn't, you, you can tell from looking at me now that I'm not a young pup. <laughs> I'm 65. And I've been doing this since I was about 30, 32. I can't remember the exact time now, but it, let's just say 30 years plus. So a lot of people look at me and they think that I must have been doing this since I was a kid and that I grew up with horses. Well, I didn't do that. I started, I had a passion for horses, but never had a, a horse until I was 32 years. And I bought a horse that I should never have bought, but I didn't know that. I bought a, what's called a green horse. So the green horse, the horse was young. And when they're young, they can be a bit all over the place, impetuous, etc. cetera. Um, and he took me apart because good, smart horses, they will know if you don't know what you're doing, they will just take you apart. And that's what this horse did. So I've been through the situation where I haven't known what to do and the horse has absolutely demoralized me and put me in danger, even to the point of trying to back me off over a cliff one day when I was out riding with some other people. And uh, I luckily his belly hit the ground and uh, on the edge of the cliff and my feet 
hit the ground and I just quickly stepped off. And my thought was, mate, if you're going over, you're going over by yourself. I'm not going over with you. But I had to walk that horse down the mountain and with other people that were kind enough to walk with me. And, and then it started, but I had to find a, I was a young male, relatively young, stupid enough to think there must be some way of controlling this horse. And luckily I did find out how to do that. And I developed a system working with that initial system that I worked with. I've developed it more since then to make it my own, but having that appreciation for what it's like to be truly demoralized by a horse and how dangerous it can be really helps me a lot, I think, in terms of my level of instruction that I give to other people. And and you worry about that sometimes when you want someone to teach you something, you worry that if they've grown up with something their whole life, do they just have it built in and then they can't teach it or they're too advanced or too high level just to make it simple for someone who's brand new, who's starting out. So that's really cool to hear. And so uh, you're in our Adapt and Overcome book. You have your chapter called The Knowledge, Skills, Attitude, and Habits of Horse Training. And then you also have your website, normglenn.com. That is N-O-R-M-G-L-E-N-N.com. So if someone here is listening or watching to this podcast episode and they say, I like what I'm hearing. I want to hear more. I want to take the next step. I want to check out maybe the, you mentioned earlier, like there's the remote courses. So when they go to normglenn.com, what will they find there and what should they do? They're going to find information, I suppose, general, general content of discussion. But I guess ultimately what they should do is either phone me if they're in Australia or email. And if they're international, they should email. I will be producing at the moment, I will be producing some more video training later on this year. So it won't be too far out before we can help the international guests a lot more than what I can currently do. But certainly from a float loading point of view, that's already up and running. And certainly within there's already ground training exercises that are in there. But I'm happy to talk to anybody by email and help them to get on the right path. Or if they want to phone me, they can do that as well. Fantastic. And because it's always a hassle to spell out emails or spell out phone numbers, it's easier if they just go to normglenn.com and find the email address there, find the phone number there, and that way you can get in contact with Norm and find out if he is a good fit for you and if he can help you to get the results set of your horse training that you know that you really want. That way you can have that cooperative relationship. That way you can show the leadership that Norm mentioned. That way you, you can show who's boss and have the respect, but also have the mutual respect as well. And so normglenn.com is the place to check out horsemanship trainer Norm Glenn himself. And as we're wrapping up our conversation here, Norm, do you have any final parting words of advice or anything to say to those aspiring horse owners and riders that comes to mind? Yeah, I think the one of the things is to believe that you can do it. Now, the gateway to that is having skills. But a lot of people, they say, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm like this. I'm like that. My horse is this. My horse is that. You've got to stop all that talk and just start knowing that there are, there are skills available out there that you can learn easily to replicate and set yourself on the path and just get on with it. I love it. Just get on with it. Don't doubt yourself. Don't think about the what ifs. Say, here's what I want to accomplish. Here's my goal. Visualize it and get there because if you're wishy-washy, then how will you even get to that target? So keep that in mind and we'll see you over at normglenn.com. And thank you, Norm, for stopping by and for giving us all this horsemanship advice. My pleasure and great to have a chat. Thank you.